0: to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, i will introducing your host, Gareth Beckett.
1: Howdy mountain bikers, thanks for being here and welcome to episode 188 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in this week and thanks for listening to the podcast. Now in this week's episode it is my pleasure to welcome Nigel Glenn, the founder and owner of Bikeology, onto the podcast. It's been too long, I should have had this man on the show a long time ago because he has a wealth of information about the industry and about how the Covid thing has been affecting bike owners, bike stores everybody involved in the industry, we know the effects, we know that there's no bikes out there to buy but it was great to get Nigel's insight from the business perspective of it and chat about why these problems exist and why it's going to take a bit of time for this whole thing to kind of get back to normal um, as far as the supply of bikes and components and everything that goes along with it. Now I had a number of questions for Nigel regarding his store and stuff, but we just went off on a tangent. You know, we were like two mates standing at a bike park chatting bikes. That's the way the chat went. And it was amazing because we get through everything from the bike industry at the minute, how COVID has helped. Nigel and helped his store in certain ways, but it has also hindered it in certain ways as well. We chat about how the Irish scene is just amazing, the trails that are popping up, the wealth of talent we have for such a small island. We get into all that, we then chat to Nigel about what he thinks the effects of Covid will be when, you know, parks open, things are back to normal, people are back at work, you know, will we see... A lot of second-hand bikes come on in the industry, where well, we see a lot of people dropping out of the scene that have got into it over the COVID time. It's a very interesting discussion, and Nigel's perspective on it is very healthy. So I think you'll really enjoy that. We also chat a little bit about the e-bike thing, um, so stick around for that. You'll enjoy that, of course. And um, it's just a general great, great chat about bikes, bike shops, the industry, talent, racing Everything—it's all in this episode. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So, with all that said, I will stop talking. I will let Nigel get on the podcast. So, let's welcome Nigel to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things this evening with you, sir?
0: Yeah, things are great. Thanks for having me on. It's—it's uh, it's good to join you. Been listening to you for a while. Um, good to—good—good good to talk to you here.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. And it's it's been too long. I should have had you on the show before. Um, but you get caught up with one thing and another, and people slip your mind. And Google calendars is only good for so long. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, geez, I mean, we 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 first started emailing back and forth about a month ago, maybe more, maybe six weeks ago, and it's taken this long to organize a Skype call between the two of us. So it's uh, yeah, we're both busy people at the moment, I reckon.
1: Yeah, well, you're probably busier with me than me, I think, with the way the bike scene's going, right? Like it's freaking nuts, man.
0: It is bonkers. Basically, since this day last year, um, it's like every record ever in the cycling industry has been smashed. Um, it's just it, everybody in the industry is actually just kind of knackered, and it's sunny April. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're just kind of getting beaten down and doing long days and seven day weeks and yeah just endless bikes coming in the door for a repair and endless phone calls looking for bikes that we don't have
1: you know yeah uh, it, it really is nuts like i've got a mate that's just got into it and he needs an extra large and he's wanting he's not wanting to spend a massive amount of money but he's, he's willing to spend eight or nine maybe a thousand pound on a hard deal but yeah dude he, he can't get one
0: Yeah, well, don't send them in my direction because I won't be able to get them one either. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, seriously. I mean, we like normally we would have kind of three months stock, four months stock in store or in a storage location. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at the moment. Everything I have coming in for the next two months uh, is already pre-sold like 90% of bikes that come in the door had a deposit on them six or eight or 10 weeks before they arrived. Um, and I don't see that changing in any time soon either. I mean, if anybody it's, it's, it's April now, if anybody wants a bike for midsummer autumn, they kind of want to be getting into a shop now and getting a deposit down and hoping that the shop can still get a bike in time for midsummer or autumn. Mm -hmm. Um, and i don't see that changing anytime soon
1: yeah and it's nuts because like all the 2022 bikes would have been coming out at the end of this year as well is that still going to happen or what's what's happening there
0: that's a good question i mean i know a couple of people who are involved in the development side of things so they'd be you know normally they'd be working maybe two years in advance of what is on the shop shelves um and some of them have said that that development work is kind of it's stopped. They're not getting any new contracts, which would be translating into 2023 or 2024 bikes. Mm. And they're not getting those contracts at the moment. Um, so what was in the pipeline this time last year has continued. And that's been brought to fruition. But there might be a bit of a lag maybe coming into 23 or 24 model years. Mm hmm. Um uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out.
1: Wow. Like I, I was chatting to somebody in the snow industry the other day, and they were saying that a load of the brands, you know, and the COVID thing hit them massively, right? All the resorts yeah, all closed. Did. Like the complete opposite to the bike industry.
0: Yeah, they were they're relying on travel.
1: Yeah. They're relying
0: on people staying at home.
1: Yeah. And a lot of those brands are just saying, no, nah, we're not making anything new. What you have now is what you're going to get. There's, there's nothing yeah. new for 2022. Forget about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, tooling up and swapping out molds, that all has to slow down production. I mean, you have to imagine that the manufacturers are just trying to hammer out new frames and new components as fast as they possibly can at the moment. Mm. Um, I'm obviously only a, a lowly uh, bike shop. So I I can't see the production end of things. I've no visibility into that, really. But um, you'd have to imagine they're just trying to smash out frames as fast as possible. And anything that's going to slow that down, they're going to try and avoid. Sorry, I'm turning off baby monitors here beside me. That's all right.
1: (laughs) I don't know if you could hear that. I heard Um, what I thought was the WWE on in the background. Well, it might turn
0: into the WWE now in about 10 minutes time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, that Yeah, that's a whole other story. Jesus. Uh, there's two of them up there. So,
1: um, yeah, that gets pretty hectic too. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I would, I would think with a lot of these component factories, you know, a factory is a factory, and it has only so many employees, and it can only pump out so much stuff at the end of the day. It's not like you can just open another section of the factory and, you know, double your your production like a lot of these places can only do what they can do are you hearing that from brands or anything like that yeah absolutely and the other thing that i'm hearing
0: is like taiwan is obviously a huge manufacturing hub for bikes and bicycle components and i mean taiwan is a taiwan is a a western a westernized society and i think my understanding of it anyway is that a lot of the factories are kind of populated or they're staffed by immigrant workers from poorer countries like Vietnam or Cambodia. And and, uh, I know we like to think bikes are green, but I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, we won't go down that wormhole, I guess. Mm. But uh, those migrant workers can't travel now. So the cost of labor in the Taiwanese factories is going through the roof. Um, Mm. And in the last, uh, let me think, eight months, We've seen two price hikes, and I would suspect that there's at least one more price hike going to come down the line, and maybe maybe two. Um, I, I kind of expect bikes to be 20% more expensive by Christmas than they are right now. Wow. That's my expectation. I mean, transport, it's costing, I hear all sorts, but I mean, I, as far as I know that now a container is now costing kind of 11 grand to get from the Far East to Europe. Um and that's carrying maybe 250 bikes. Um what? yeah, eleven grand. Whereas that used to cost about fifteen or eighteen hundred uh dollars, that is. Um so I mean when you're when you're dividing that up by two hundred and fifty bikes, like that's a chunk of change onto each bike.
1: Oh man.
0: You know? Um, yeah the, the corrugated cardboard has gone up by fifteen percent uh in the Far East. And all these little things, they all add up. Um, You know, raw material prices, I know, have gone up a chunk. Rubber has gone up a chunk as a raw material. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, I I think when that filters through, I think bikes, they're going to go up, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20%. That's my prediction. Mm.
1: And it's hard sometimes to, you know, kind of tell the customer that because. As far as the customer's concerned, they've waited six months to get a bike. And, yeah. you know, the bike business is going crazy. Like They can't get enough bikes. So prices and economies of scale and everything, the bikes should be cheaper. But they're actually ending up more expensive. It's hard to kind of explain that to somebody.
0: It is. And a lot of people think that we're kind of price gouging as an industry. Um, and I, I don't think that's what's going on. I mean, I think there is genuine increase in costs. I can see the transport costs. I mean, 10 minutes on Google Mm-hmm. tell you exactly where you know how that's increased in costs but and you know that ship getting parked sideways in the Suez Canal the other day that's not going to help things um no but uh yeah there's there's there'd be a little bit of suspicion but do you know what for the most part all of our customers anyway they've been very understanding of the whole situation i have to say um you know we're obviously experiencing a lot of delays at the moment with you know getting whether it's bike parts or accessories or clothing or full bikes, we're, we're experiencing loads of delays, uh, and everybody has been very, very understanding over the last six or eight months. Yeah,
1: um,
0: they understand it's not it's it's not under our control. Um, it's a global thing. It's a global supply chain. Then you got Brexit on top of it as well. Um, that doesn't help at all. Um, so. Yeah, I'd have to kind of take my hat off to the general public and say thanks for your patience because, for, you know, apart from one or two people, they've been very understanding of the problems that we're having.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you stock Santa Cruz in the store there. Um, I'll tell you a story. I heard one of the guys from Santa Cruz, he's quite high up, um, yeah. I can't remember his name, but he said that as far as frame production goes, they were okay. Um they had enough frames, but you know what actually stopped them delivering bikes to the stores? Go on, they couldn't get cardboard,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll believe that,
1: yeah, I, because you you mentioned that. the cardboard being expensive there, and that just it sparked it in my head. They couldn't get boxes, yeah, to actually. And his reasoning was okay, obviously, Covid everybody's in but he says business online business has just got so crazy your amazons and all your other companies that are selling everything now basically online and everybody's needing a box to post so that makes perfect sense doesn't it it? Mm -hmm. yeah it makes perfect sense he Um, also said that they're a certain saddle type they need it or or had on some of their bikes, they had the, the waiting and time, the lead time on the saddle was four hundred days.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing all these lead times as well. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, Shimano, Shimano pre-COVID used to have like for OEM orders. Uh, you know, if Trek or Cube or any of the big manufacturers kind of picked up the phone to Shimano and put in a, an OEM size order, their their lead time was sixteen weeks. It's now over a year, is oh, what I'm my hearing. Word. That's what I'm hearing. And and they're also not they're not allowing cancellations or changes to those orders. That's my understanding of the situation now. And I obviously I don't have visibility into it like some people would, but that's that's my understanding of the situation. There, it's it's just um it's it's just a case that people are grabbing whatever they can. And then you've got all these conspiracy theories in the industry as well, where where people are are and speculating that some of the big manufacturers are just putting in huge orders, way more than they can possibly deal with, just so that they're the ones that have it. Because if they, if they take all of that amount of Shimano's capacity, well, then their, their competition can't get it. So there's all these conspiracies running around as well. I don't know how true any of them are, um, but it'll be interesting to see how it all works out, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I could see I could see I could see companies especially kind of smaller companies running into cash flow problems where you know they've put in a huge order for whatever it is whether it's at my kind of level in the industry which is obviously pretty low down the pecking order you know you can see a bike shop putting in a huge order because they're panicked buying bikes and then it all arrives in the one day and then 30 days later they got to pay that invoice and they might have Ten or twenty percent of that order sold, and all of a sudden they got to write a really big check, and they can't. Mm. Um, and I can see that kind of thing happening throughout the industry. I can I can see, despite the fact that there's been a boom and there is a boom at the minute, that cash flow pinch could take out a couple of people, or more than a couple of people. I mean, I th- I think that 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 kind of cash flow pinch could uh, could catch a lot of people out mm-hmm well it It'll, could
1: even I mean, kite some of the factories out
0: yeah absolutely you know absolutely. If, you
1: grow, if you grow too fast too big um it can really catch you out
0: yeah i mean it's it's, it's just that cash flow issue when you get that monster delivery in you can only sell it so fast or you can only manufacture the bikes so fast and and invoice them out to the next person down the line you can only do that so fast, but yet that invoice, that's hanging over your head. So,
1: um, I don't know. That's quality, a bit... quality control. Do you think that's still being looked at as professionally oh. as it should be, or are these fighters just going to bang out bikes and worry about quality control there?
0: Uh, I think there could be some warranty departments that are going to be pretty busy in six months' time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have seen a few uh, strange things on bikes and like there's a couple of things that you'd never ever see or very rarely see like rotor bolts, disc rotor bolt, uh, brake rotor bolts not being tightened from the factory. They, they're, they're always tight and they're always torqued up properly and they've always got the right amount of lock tight on it because, you know, you can't have, you know, brake failure on bikes. Mm-hmm. That's, you not that's not allowed. But, uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of loose brake rotors coming in in the last while. Uh, wow. I've seen, you know, frames coming in covered in grease. You know, just where someone had a greasy hand, got smeared down the side of the frame, and the bike got thrown in the box. See you later. That's somebody else's problem. Yeah. Um, you know, spoke tension. Bits and pieces like that where you can just tell that the bike's getting rushed out the door. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, then you've got to build them when they come your end, so that's a load more work for you too. Especially if you have a customer standing waiting on the thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, geez, you try not to be building a bike in front of somebody, but yeah, um, it's another. You know, obviously, you're 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 inspecting the bike thoroughly before it goes out, but you'd normally be pretty confident that you know some parts of the bike are going to be perfect, and yeah, you you do have to be extra vigilant. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the minute um, and it's gonna like we're probably only seeing the start of the kind of COVID manufactured bikes if you like they'll be filtering through the supply chain for the next six months or maybe a lot longer than that
1: yeah interesting to see what'll happen um,
0: yeah but within, definitely I hear it. anecdotes from around the world of you know things just being slapped together in the factory and thrown in a box you you do you definitely do hear those anecdotes quite a bit at the minute.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me this then. You also um, stock Orbea, which is an Italian brand.
0: Spanish, yeah.
1: Oh, Spanish. Sorry, yeah, Spanish, of course. Um, Yeah. I worked in a store when I was in Malta there for a couple of years, and we stocked Orbea. Um, Very, very good company to work with. Their, you know, their customer service, as far as we were concerned, was, was brilliant, amazing. Yeah. Because they... Have their own factory. They have a yeah. factory in Italy. they have a factory in France. They North. have a factory in Portugal, isn't that right?
0: Uh, they have a factory in Portugal, and they have another factory in Spain. And Spain, Spain. Okay. yeah, Spain is their is their their, their main hub um, cool. up near um, up near
1: Bilbao. Okay. Yes. Yes. Of Four. course. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, are you getting the same issue with bikes from them, guys? Because they're building their bikes in Spain, right? So are you getting the same issue grabbing bikes from them? Uh,
0: in terms of availability or the yeah. oh, availability is uh, <sighs> since since last, maybe since the middle of this last summer, availability has been steadily getting worse and worse and worse um but we've all kind of seen that coming and we have huge numbers of bikes on order and they're all scheduled to trickle in over the next year you know like I, I'd, I'd have bikes there that are, are on order and they're, they're not due to me until christmas or some of them are due to me until after christmas of this year mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so they're trickling in the whole time but if i go to order say uh 2021 whatever a ralan or a or a or a road bike like they're all sold out. Every 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 bike that they have scheduled for production is already, it, you know, it, it has a it has a an order on it already by a dealer.
1: Yeah, so you can't uh, go on and see stock there that's available for purchase. There just isn't nothing.
0: There's nothing there. No, and I've got a lot of my twenty, or I've got a lot of twenty twenty two bikes ordered as well. Despite the fact that I haven't seen specs, I haven't seen colors, I haven't seen prices but i've ordered them anyway because if i don't order them now i'm not going to get them next year mm-hmm. you know which is which is we're not used to that i mean ordering a year in advance a bike that you haven't seen you don't know the spec and you don't know the price that's unheard of in the industry but that's the situation. So we're trying to guess what we're going to need you know this time next year yeah uh, and we're, it's not even like demand is at a steady rate and it's that's that supply has just dropped off demand is completely unpredictable at the moment mm. so it's it's very very difficult
1: yeah and orbea yeah. they aren't they aren't that available for purchase just because they're getting so many orders is that the because the, obviously they're running their manufacturing at full capacity but they just they're getting so many orders they're just unbelievably busy is that what you think
0: they've taken so many orders so far that every bike that they have scheduled for production this year uh, is already um, it is already ordered by a shop somewhere? Yeah, wow. So there's, there's just no spare capacity for the rest of this year, this model year.
1: Is it yeah. the same for road bikes?
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and they've they've some that are still available for like October, November production slots. Uh, but that's it, that's it. Yeah. So like, if you like, I might have. If you come in to me saying you want a large Rallon M10 in blue, I'll look at what I ordered kind of six months ago, and I'll say, "Well, I've got an M20 coming in in red, mm-hmm. in your size." Is is that okay for you? And you either say yes or no, and I'll, you know, I'll say, "Right, it's due in six weeks time." And, you know, that's kind of how we're selling at the moment.
1: Yeah, man,
0: um, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's it's absolutely bonkers. Um, it's not how I'd like to sell bikes. I mean, I I personally, I'd be a big believer in the, you know, the in-store experience where you get to swing a leg over at the bike and it's the right size for you and it's sitting there on the shelf and, and you get to see them and touch them and, 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 and sit on them and all that. Uh, but that's just not possible at the moment. It's just not no. possible at the moment.
1: I know when I was in Malta working there, uh, the COVID thing had just really hit and... Um initially were very good you know they were closing unnecessary stores and things like that but they kept the bike stores open and there was guys coming in we were super busy we we queues outside the store we were only letting so many people in the shop there was guys coming in and they were saying i'm looking for a bike um i'm willing to spend four or five hundred euro i'd look at them say okay you need a large i'd say look Um, I've got this available and this available. This is 700 euros. This is 800 euros. And he would say, "Uh, I'll maybe think about it and get back to you. And I would say, well, get back to me in 10 minutes because it'll not be here. (laughs) Yeah. And he would just say, I'll take that one.
0: (laughs) I could tell you countless stories where, you know, people, same thing last year. Uh, You know, I'm looking for a hybrid. I say, I don't have one. I have a mountain bike like this. I can put slick tires on it let me know real quick. And the person behind them would say, I'll take that bike. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, I, like, it was like the last tin of beans on the shelf in Tesco and just a, a crowd fighting over it. it was nuts. Um, and now the supply chain is just completely empty. There's nothing there. Yeah. Um, so, this, you know, we're selling six weeks before the bikes even get to the store.
1: Yeah. Like from, from running the store and, Owning a bike store, you've been open now nine or ten years, haven't you? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you prefer it like this, or would you prefer?
0: It is frustrating and stressful at the minute. Um, mm. I mean, from a business point of view, just from a financial point of view, we're doing really well, uh, which is great, obviously. But it, it is really frustrating in the shop at the moment. Mm. People coming into you. And they're trying to get into the sport. And you know, it's the sport I'd be really passionate about mountain biking. I absolutely love it. Done it for years, don't end on stopping anytime soon. And they're trying to get in, they're trying to buy the right bike either for themselves or maybe they're trying to get the right bike for their, their 15-year-old son. Mm. And you're just you're just thinking, like it's it's April now, the sun is coming out, um, summer's just around the corner. And you know, you've got this 15 year old kid looking at you, looking for a bike that's that's going to be their gateway to what is a fantastic sport and a fantastic lifestyle for a lot of people. And you can't get them anything mm. um, and you're turning away people like that all the time. I mean, we're like, yeah, it's really, it is really, really frustrating yeah, um, I mean, like I say, mo- almost everybody has been really understanding of the situation, um, so we've got very little stick from people. But it it is very very frustrating. Not only there's a sale walking out the door, but you're I mean that's it's someone not getting into the sport that you know is absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, you know it's crazy because you know that they're not going to another bike store and getting a bike either. You know it's not no, that they just not. don't like what you don't what you have. It's just. There's nothing available, which is There's nothing. That, it's not even
0: that they don't like what I have. I don't have anything in the first place. Or yeah. might not have until, you know, September. So like we'd have we sell Dior Orbea Bell Laufy, a sort of really, really popular bike for beginner mountain bikes, beginner mountain bikers. a uh, really, really suitable hardtail for someone getting into the sport. And I I think I have maybe eight of them coming in in May and they've been sold. They've had deposits on them now for two or three months. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, that's uh, like the that's, trail. that's like um, it's a, a trio bike. It's got pretty big tires and good travel and all on it. Hasn't it that lifey?
0: Yeah, it's pretty slack. Got a pretty long head tube. It's running on 2.6 tires. Yeah. Uh, it's a bike that you can really trash. You know, really, really, really good little beginner bike and doesn't cost the earth. Um, so you get guys getting into the sport and maybe they're 15 or 18, and they don't have the biggest budget in the world. Uh, yeah, it's a bike that they can really get a lot out of. Mm.
1: As as far as supply, do you think you know, because you're a smallest, smallish store there, do you think some of the big, massive stores do you think they have an advantage when things are like this, as far as order and quantities and things?
0: That is a really good question. I'd like to think not. Um, I'd like to think that they're not, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. It'd be very skeptical of me to say so. I mean, the way Giant are doing it, they're kind of doling out bikes in proportion to what you bought off them last year, uh, which is a very fair way of doing it. Again, it's a bit frustrating because they're kind of saying, here's 50 bikes, We'll we'll, uh, we'll allocate you another 50 there in, in, in a couple of months' time. Um, but if 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 they give me a medium and I need a large for somebody, it's kind of, you know, tough. Um, so again, it's frustrating, but it's 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 not a bad way that they're doing it. There's 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 a lot of merit in it. Um, I I I don't I don't think people are doing that. Maybe some of the really big stores in the UK where they've got, you know, maybe six or eight or ten branches, they have the buying power to do a little bit of it. But I think in Ireland, um, even the big stores in Ireland aren't actually that big. So yeah. I, I, I don't think it's happening, but I'd need to be a couple of steps up the ladder from where I am to see it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'd have a different view from up there. I'd, be a, I'd have a, a less optimistic view of the world.
1: Uh, let's have a chat about where you think this is all going to go. You know, are we going to see, let's say, when the COVID thing hopefully goes back to China... And we get back to normality. Do you see a lot of people dropping out of the sport? Do you see a lot of second hand stuff coming on the market? How how are you looking at that? It must be so hard for you from ordering and things.
0: Yeah, it's hard to predict it. It's really, really hard to predict it. I don't think I actually I don't think people are gonna drop out of the sport. Like you actually said it to me the other day, we were having a chat. Generally when people get into mountain biking they stick with it. They, they a lot of them become mountain bikers for life, mm. and you know they 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 buy the van and they buy into the lifestyle. And instead of going to you know a Mediterranean island and and going on the piss for a week, they they you know they're off to Morzine or Finale for a week, and that's their that's their annual holiday. Um so I I think a lot of people that get into mountain biking will stick with it. Um, I, I really do. It's a, it's this sport that kind of grabs you but two hands and, and, and kind of doesn't let you go. Yeah. You know? um, so I, I hope not. The second hand second hand bikes, oh man, Well, I don't know. The second hand mountain bike market's always a bit of a minefield. I mean, generally, if something's second hand, it's second hand for a reason. You know, like I always kind of think that the best way to keep a good mountain bike underneath you is to buy a new one. Keep it for, keep it for whatever eighteen months or two years, and when that kind of freshness is gone, kind of you know, send it on and buy another new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they do get tired. Like if you're riding twice a week and you're 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 hard on a bike, you know, generally two years, your bike's starting to get a bit rickety.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, I know a few boys up here that do that. They don't buy kind of top of the range they obviously buy good stuff you know they're spending three three and a half grand but yeah they will they will change that bike every uh, maximum couple of years yeah yeah you know and they just keep it fresh that way instead of maybe spending six or seven grand on a bike and not changing it for 10 years you know what i mean they'll they'll yeah. update it they'll update all the time and i think you know i think that's a really sensible way to do it
0: I think it is too, because it doesn't matter whether you buy a a three grand bike or a 10 grand bike. The chances are it's 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 still going to be the same geometry. And in mm. three years time, that geometry is going to have moved on a little bit. Um, you know, so so you're buying into the new geometry, you're buying all your new fresh parts. So that also means, you know, when you get to the trail, you've got a fresh bike underneath you. It means that, you know, your bike's actually going to work for the day and you're not going to have to turn around after... Two descents because you you know broke four spokes out of your back wheel or or you know there's a bearing after collapsing your free hub is you know yeah shot out the side door yeah uh, because <laughs> you know, like that 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 is an expense as well you know you've 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 maybe booked your day off you've driven to the mountains you've packed up your gear you've got there you've got your bike just dirty enough to make it a chore to clean it. And then your bike breaks, and then you got to push back to the car, drive home, and you're just miserable. Um, and uh, um, yeah, like that's it's kind of a day wasted, especially if you got to travel a long way, or if you are traveling a long way to um, to to the mountain to wherever you're going to ride.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And it's nice. It's, we like new things, right? We like
0: and we, to and we all like the new shiny stuff that in the magazines. <laughs> and these,
1: yeah, brands, these brands these yeah. brands are so good at soccer and into all this stuff, right? Like <laughs> absolutely. Like, I remember I think it was one of the guys that used to work for Bellabong. Um I think he maybe owned the distribution rights to Europe at one stage. But anyway, he said to me, um, I was at a massive party. All the pros were there. It was amazing. And he said to me, do you think... Um, now, this guy had the reputation of, if you If you came into one of his parties, he had a massive house with a big pool and all. If you came into one of his his parties, say, wearing Quicksilver or Curl <laughs> or something, you know, you were going to get your shirt torn off, you kind of thing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But he was actually really dead on. And he said to me, you know, like a lot of people think... Bellabone and Quicksilver and all that were fashion brands or were surf brands, but he says all we really are is massive marketing companies. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's it in a
0: nutshell. You know, they probably, obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of those couple of brands that you've you've met, but they probably don't make their own stuff. I'm sure that's outsourced to a textile company in in you know who knows where. <laughs> They put their sticker on it. They they get them made to their specification and they sell the crap out of them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The lifestyle thing is very much like that. It's very image driven. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Uh, I can see a little
1: bit of that in the mountain bike scene for sure. Um,
0: As it becomes a more mainstream sport, there's more of that coming into it all, right? I mean, when I started mountain biking, what was it, 15 years ago maybe, it was a fringe sport you know, it, while well, it was in Ireland anyway, um, I know in the UK it would have been a bit bigger, but I mean, it's turning into a mainstream sport really, really quickly here. And with that, the marketing budgets increase and, you know, you're getting more product kind of thrown at you by the marketing man, uh, you know, left, right and center. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that'll that that's yeah. The more mainstream it becomes, the more that's gonna gonna come at us.
1: Yeah, it's funny because you know the surfing industry, um, it really struggled, and the WSL, who are it's the the pro leg of it, they kind of tried to turn themselves into a media company basically, um, with their own TV channel and all the stuff that goes with that, and it didn't really work, and it was quite scary for a while because you would have, and the pro tour, there's 44 pros, okay, yeah. that surf the pro tour. And then there's obviously a lot of, you know, there's the WSL have a load of other ones below that, but there's 44 pros. Mm. And two or three years ago, there was a number of those pros hadn't even a sponsor. Yeah. And when Jeez. you look at that, you think there's something wrong here. You know, this industry ain't doing too, too well
0: yeah it's a pretty unhealthy place to be isn't it yeah um but no. do you know what I, i'd imagine mountain biking's probably pretty similar to that mm. i mean if you take a rider there that's maybe trying to get around the ews and he's maybe coming 50th or 60th at uh, on the average ews weekend i mean that guy's living out of the back of his van chances are he's working his ass off all winter long doing a part-time job and training as well to to fund his trip around. Maybe he's got a couple of local sponsors. Um, But it's probably not until you get – you might know a bit more about this than I do, but it's probably not until you get to the top 20 or top 30 that they're actually making a wage, Mm -hmm. you know? I would Uh, say it's very, very true. Yeah, I mean, I doubt there's many – that are making kind of real money on it, at it. they're doing yeah. it for, for the passion of it and the, maybe the competitive side of it
1: yeah but, uh, I, I think ones that are getting a wage as well you know not the top tier guys but the ones that are getting a wage it's it's minimum wage yeah yeah you can, you can survive on it but you'll not do much more
0: yeah yeah which is kind it's, of it's, it's great it's great lifestyle and I'm sure it's a hell of a lot of fun and I kind of wish I'd tried it myself but uh, (laughs) that ship is well and truly sailed um um but you know you kind of you spend a couple of years living out of the back of a van uh traveling around i mean that's going to get wearing you know unless you start to see the results coming in your way or you see a factory contract there right in front of you do you know you do it for a couple of years that's going to get tiring I but the people, the, the people that have kind of, or or the people that I imagine are, are are making a few quid out of it. They've built their own brand. You know, you look mm-hmm. at Win Masters. Win Masters is a is a, he's a, he's like the marketing man's dream. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's got Tweety Wednesdays and Win TV, and you know he's all over social media, and he's he's a character. Yeah, um, and Win, is, you know, he's he's a wild man an absolute wild man, but he comes across on TV or on his own kind of social media as a bit of a hero. And he's, he's developed his own, his own brand and he's increased his own worth a hell of a lot. Uh, and I'd say there's a lot of those writers who are, you know, not they're, they're fast writers. Don't get me wrong, but they haven't quite got to where they want to be. And they could take a leaf out of his book. I think, Mm-hmm. Um, and look at what he's doing and how he's he's you know Win TV that's its own brand that's that has a value. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they need to they need to have a look at that.
1: Yeah, it's you need to be you need to be fast. Yeah, but you need so much more nowadays because at the end of the day you're there now. Whether you look at it from this direction or not, as a pro rider, you're there to shovel product.
0: You are a marketing man's tool, yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. That, and yeah,
1: it's maybe not a nice way to look at it, but at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to is that profit and loss sheet and that balance sheet. That's what
0: it all, yeah, comes yeah, down to. no, you're, you're you're 100% right. And actually, when you're talking about that, I mean, we constantly see young writers looking for sponsorship and, and all of that, and they need to look at it from that point of view as well when they're approaching a potential sponsor what value do i as a rider add to your business mm-hmm. um, and young riders need to need to keep that in mind instead of kind of coming across social media and saying you know mister i I'm, I'm fast as hell i'm going to race next year will you give me a free bike they need to think about it a bit more and 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 look at it as a as a, a business transaction Rather than rather than a you know a free bike or a free set of shoes or whatever it is, um, crazy man. Yeah, they need to think about the value that they're adding or, or the value that they can add to a
1: potential business. Yeah, like I was chatting to I think it was maybe Andy Ward from Virus on the show, and um, I was chatting to him, and I remember reading or hearing a number of years ago about Formula One racers, and they were saying for you to be driving one of those Formula One cars. Before mm. that team signs you, you have to be able to bring five hundred million pounds worth of advertising.
0: <laughs> That's a big number. What? Like really crazy? Yeah. Gee, yeah. You've got to be saleable. Yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. Geez, you get you can see why they're all clean cut and they never put a foot out of line. <laughs> that's a that's a big number. I did not know that.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was that. And I would think in Formula One it's gonna be around that. Like how it much probably is it, isn't it? How much yeah. is a bolt in one of those cars? Like you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. the price of my freaking car. Yeah. Uh,
0: but you yeah, have to be a top tier top tier Formula One driver, that is probably what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's the same. Okay, not at the same level in mountain biking or whatever, but it's the same. You have yeah, to be yeah, able you know, to bring right. more then just speed to a team now.
0: Absolutely. You gotta you, you gotta realise that you you are like you say you're there to to sell product and that's that's it. And the if you, if you don't have that charisma or that saleability, the only other way that you can do it is to be number one and not number three. Number one, because number one, if you've got a number one plate on your bike, that's a saleable fact in itself. Yeah, that makes you saleable. But if you got a number three or a number five, nobody cares. You know, so you you gotta have that charisma. You gotta have that saleable aspect to you.
1: Yeah. It's a crazy world we live in, man. It really is nuts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's only gonna get worse. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like it. Uh, so tell me a little bit about bikeology then. What made you want to start a bike store? Oh
0: man. I worked, I have, do you know what got me into bikes, actually, or initially? I picked up an MBUK magazine when I was in maybe sixth year in Mm -hmm. school, doing my last year of secondary school. uh, Picked up an MBUK magazine and pretty much just flicking through that, got hooked on the sport. Um, And I got myself a job in bike shops then through college, Uh, worked in a couple of different bike shops through college and worked in a couple of bike shops in Australia um, and kind of woke up at 25. It was, what, 2010? There wasn't much of an opportunity in Ireland for employment here. Um, And my dad backed me. He gave me – he wrote a big old check. So got to acknowledge that. Um, Have
1: you paid him back? Yeah.
0: Uh, we're working on that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a on that product. <laughs> one. That's yeah, exactly. Free tubes for life, God. Um Yeah, uh and um yeah, got started that way. Like like I said, I mean mountain biking is my passion. I mean mountain biking, like I say, when I started out it was a fringe sport, so that was never gonna pay the bills. But you're kinda of talking to the same kind of people all all the time and you're you're in and around it the whole time, so that's how it started. Um, nice. and yeah, the mountain bike is my passion. So yeah. It's cool to have, you know, people coming in and out the whole time who are also, you know, passionate about mountain biking.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like it's funny because a lot of people would say if you love doing something, don't make it your job. You know, it'll take sure. the fun away. You haven't lost that by the sounds of things.
0: I definitely haven't lost the passion. I've lost the time uh, to, to ride. Uh, I have ridden a bike uh, I'm kind of ashamed of this but I've ridden a bike twice in the last 12 months
1: Yeah, dude, uh, you, you need to uh, close your shop an hour early some nights or something
0: <laughs> do you know what I built myself like dream build uh, built myself a mega tower, uh last March the week before lockdown here so mid March last year and uh, I rode it twice over Christmas and actually sold it yesterday. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm currently I currently do not own a bike. Oh my word! I own a Honda ninety. Yeah, so I, I I'm, I'm kind of I had I had that bike sitting in the shed, so I knew it was there. If I did, you know, find an afternoon where I could go out in the bike, and now I don't have that, and I'm like. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm itchy. I'm like, you know, what if the opportunity comes? I want to go, I want to go. i will not
1: like, even <sighs> be able to get a bike now.
0: I know. And I'm thinking, shit, what am I going to buy myself? I was like, well, what, can I? I'm in the same position that everybody else is in now.
1: Is, it, is the like, real top end <laughs> stuff all gone too? Sorry? Is the real top top end stuff all gone as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I ordered myself a Trek Slash and I think it's getting here in November.
1: So you'll have to take, I don't know, maybe steal some of your staff members' bikes or something to yeah, race this summer. something right? like that. Something like
0: that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know between now and August, I'm not going to have a chance to ride a bike. Shop's going to be too busy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's the case. So, But in the winter, I kind of want something. Because I've got that I've got that hunger again because I haven't I've got a year of not riding a bike behind me. So I'm really itching to go. But like time is time is against me. Yeah. And to be honest, it's so busy in the shop. You're, you're you're flat out all day. But the time you actually get home at whatever it is, six or seven or eight o'clock at night, like you just want to put your feet up.
1: Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Now, because you, you normally race the three disciplines, XC Enduro and downhill, didn't you?
0: I have raced all three. Yeah. It's been a while since I did a cross country race. Um, And since COVID has hit, I'm not sure I'm in any uh, fit shape to race a cross country race. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, COVID has been good to me. Well, fast food has been good to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, racing enduro these days, or well, it was racing enduro kind of downhill as well. I have to be, have to be up and functional on the Monday morning now. So, Downhill has kind of got the backseat as well. Yeah. You know, it's one of those.
1: Um, did you see when Enduro became a thing, did you see much impact on your sales as far as people getting into the sport off the back of that?
0: Oh, do you know when I really saw it was when the EWS came to Ireland the first year. Really? That was when I saw that was kind of the moment for me anyway that mountain biking was going to become mainstream in Ireland. Wow. That that I think was kind of the tipping point. Um, And then the fact that we've got a couple of really, really good riders in Ireland at the moment, that's driving things on as well. Um, And we've got a couple of really good race series in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that first year, I remember the whole of Ireland seemed to be training for that race. Everyone was just so keen. And then you probably saw the pictures of Carrick Mountain that weekend. Mm. I and mean, just thousands and thousands of people on the hill giving it everything. And not even the riders, the spectators were giving it everything that weekend. It was so unbelievable.
1: Did people get into it beforehand or they went and spectated it and then was like, yeah, I want myself some of that. And we're wanting bikes after that. What? Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it, make- was, it, it was growing before that, definitely.
1: Um,
0: yeah. But... That summer, we, we saw so many people getting into it. And since then, the number of, you know, young guys, usually, you know, 15, 18, 20-year-old guys looking to get into the sport is colossal. And in the last year, like since COVID came, there's a lot of, you know, middle-aged guys or, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 kind of getting mm-hmm. into it. And obviously, those guys have a bigger budget. They're looking at a different bike, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it is, it's it's growing at a phenomenal rate.
1: Yeah, that's unreal. You know, it is amazing what something like that can do. You know, you, yeah. what, you wonder to yourself, are these things hit and miss? You know what I mean? Like,
0: well, the fa- Yeah, the fact that we had a, a, a hometown winner that year and the following year as well, that definitely helped. I mean, and the, the following year, I mean, Greg, he'd won it the previous year. He was flat out doing press. And on, you know, mainstream Irish TV for segments here and there, that definitely raised the profile of mountain biking in Ireland. Yeah. And I think a lot of credit has to go to him for that because he's a great ambassador for the sport. um, And he's very good at doing, you know, all of that kind of, all of that kind of work, which has to be a bit of a pain in the ass if you're trying to race and you've got a TV camera sitting there looking at you or you've got to do, Fourteen different interviews on a Sunday morning. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, he do you know he always did it with a smile on. So a lot of a lot of credit has to go to him for that.
1: Very professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's unreal. Like, as far as you know, well, think about the Olympics, right? When when a city puts on the Olympics, it costs them so much money. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's just they lose so much money over the Olympics, but they're thinking long-term picture, right? Yeah. You know, they're thinking what what that will do for that area after the Olympics.
0: Yeah, they're looking at a 10-year return on it, probably, or more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's like, where I live here in the North Coast, we have a big uh, golf course here, Royal Port Rush, and the British Open came a couple of years ago now, and... Yeah. You could not, now I don't play golf, but you could not get a round of golf in there for 18 months.
0: Oh, I'd well believe it, yeah, yeah.
1: It was solidly booked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's the same effect with mountain biking ever since. I'd love to see another round of that Enduro World Series coming to Ireland. I'm not sure it will, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal because it's a great sport, you know? It's a phenomenal sport for, for people to get into, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, even healthy. as a spectator sport, you can get so close to the action. It's amazing. Oh, do you
0: know what? I was just flicking through an album here the other night on Facebook and all those pictures, all those images came up from that character race. And I mean, literally crowds five deep and six deep roaring at the riders on track. I mean, it looked, it was like, it was, it was like they were in a Supercross <laughs> arena, not the side of some rocky, godforsaken mountain in the arse end of Wicklow. You yeah, know, yeah. it was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, frick, it's nuts, it's nuts. Like, how healthy do you think it is now? You think it's more healthier than ever? The Enduro Market. Yeah, just the Irish, the Irish Enduro. Irish mountain bike scene in general.
0: Scene, yeah. Oh, I think it's, it's, it's exploding it's absolutely exploding there's new trail centers popping up down here um you know fairly regularly now and yeah. um, and everywhere a new trail center pops up you get a whole lot of unofficial trails popping up in all the mountains around mm-hmm. which just draws in more and more people and raises raises the the, the skill level and the ability level in that area no end mm-hmm. you know because what, what what i've now this is kind of just my opinion but i think when i a trail center arrives into a new area. The general riding ability isn't great because they're used to riding those flowy um, trail center trails. And then someone starts building a trail and there's a few roots on it, a few drops on it, and the riders get a bit better. And then they start riding, they start building something that's a bit more challenging and it all kind of snowballs. And the, the skill level in the entire area just skyrockets. Yeah. yeah,
1: um, And that's what's happening here at the moment. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I think from this for the size of Ireland and the talent that is here, like Oshin and all those young fellas, like Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, for the Yeah, say we're punching well above our weight. Yeah. Exactly You could name uh,
0: like I could name ten writers who are world class or 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 really knocking on the door. Hmm. You yeah. know, you got you got what well, um Greg obviously is right up there in the Seniors like Killian Callahan, he was junior world champ. Ushin was junior world champ. Leah Manswell was junior world champ as well, wasn't she? Yeah,
1: uh, um,
0: yeah, I think she was. I think she was. I'm pretty certain she
1: was. Did she comes No, I think she was. Sorry, you're right, Leah, you're right. we, should,
0: we, we should know this. We should. Uh, we I had her, her on her.
1: the podcast for frick's sake. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, you got like you got a whole bunch of young guys coming up. Harry Byrne comes to mind. He. I know he's got his 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 sights set set pretty high. Um, Dan Wolf is right up there. He's he, he's been knocking around a while at this stage, but he's not getting any slower. And um, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah, like for a little for a small country who where we've only kind of picked up mountain biking in the last couple of years, we're we're, we're doing
1: we're doing all right, I reckon hi we're doing we're doing good for sure man and you know with all these new trail centers and money going into trail centers and stuff it can only really grow and get better like you said there that you were having young guys calling into the store looking for bikes and stuff like do you think there is that youth element coming up to help support the industry when a lot of us older dudes kind of take up golf (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah i gotta do a bit of rehab on my shoulder to sort my swing out um yeah definitely and and what's more there's a lot of parents that are really keen for it as well you know um they 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 want their kids doing something on those lines um and they're quite happy to spend not 10 grand on a bike or anything near it but they're quite happy to spend enough to get a pretty decent hardtail um when you know when their kids are kind of 15 or 18 and, and get them into the sport and and see where it goes for the for, for them um so, so yeah I, I, there's good support there for these kids like ushina Callahan, there he's a he's a prime example his dad you know like he he was he i think he was knocking around his yard at home as a kid and his his dad kind of bought him a bike and got him into it and his dad kept on supporting him and now look at him you know he's a prime example. Obviously he's at the extreme end of it, but um, it's the same thing. The country over, as far as I can see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like Oshin's amazing with his dad and all there. Um, that is such a a solid team. Those two, you know, yeah. Oshin is so driven. It's unbelievable. Like he's yeah. so passionate about the thing, and he's obviously he's got the Ballyhurra trails and all there in his back door, which really helps. He um, is but he's out
0: digging his own trails every day of the week as well and
1: Exactly. He's you know, in the gym. He's, he's doing he's all the, the work stuff. In.
0: He's putting the work in. He certainly yeah, And is. it is it's pure passion. It is pure passion. I like I I know his dad supports him hugely. Um, yeah. But it's not like the American motocross dads are there, that are beating their kids around the track <laughs> with a stick. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's 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 that's that's pushing it as much as anyone. And, and I think Chris is facil- facilitating it, which is brilliant. Fair play to them. That's what yeah. I say.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Um, do you see many females getting into it? Is that something we're lacking maybe?
0: Um, I think we're reaching a point where there's kind of a critical mass. And it's a lot of what I find um, is talking talking to women in the shop that are kind of dipping a toe into it. They get in, a lot of times, they get put off by you know, guys out there. It's all testosterone and it's all gnarly and it's all who can smash that corner harder or who can go biggest on the jump. And, and they're kind of quite often intimidated by that. Whereas mm. if they had a oh, God, I don't want to sound like a sexist prick here or anything, but if there was more women for women. If there was more women to help beginner women get into the sport mm. and get confident in the sport, I think there'd be a huge amount more take up.
1: Does that make sense? It makes a hundred percent sense.
0: You know, where because there's a lot of beginner women or women who've never ridden a mountain bike before, and they go out with a couple of guys. Um, who are confident on the trails and they're used to riding, you know, technical routes and steep shoots and all of this and they get put off by that on their first experience. Um, yeah. whereas if they if they, if they had a more uh, relaxed kind of introduction to the whole thing, then might they'd be far more likely to stick with it.
1: Yeah. You would, it's crazy, but you would not believe some of the girls I've had on the podcast, and when you ask them how they get into mountain biking, you would not believe it's normally through a boyfriend or something, right? But yeah. you would not believe the boyfriend. There's one of the girls who even started on a downhill bike. Like, yeah.
0: That was her That's... first
1: experience. The guy says it's a red trail, you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just go for it. You'll be all right. Jeez. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I think I mean, somebody, you know cat. You know MTB cat. Pilot. Yeah, norwell Well, yeah, 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 yeah. See, somebody like Kat, I think, would be amazing for that. Do you know what?
0: She is given. She, I have to take my hat off to her. She's, she's, she is um without kind of trying to sound too corny or anything, but she is inspiring a uh a, not a, a, a generation, but she's inspiring a lot of women in, into the sport to give them the confidence to go out and ride and 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 mix it up with the men and you know give it everything and you know leave it all out there. And if they fall over, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, and she you know fair play to her she's doing a great job um on her on, on her social media channels of, of doing that.
1: Yeah. Um but you know, she could do she could do days, you know, ride days, make a girls' club up there and get them all up and you know, she's she explains things very well and stuff on her channel and she could be doing stuff like that. I know she's busy, she's got a full time job and all, but you know, it's something you could do once a month. Twice yeah. a month, maybe in, introductory inter-
0: with- spins or kind yeah. of a, a, a one step up the ladder kind of a spin and two step up the ladder kind of spin and and, and yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. And there's definitely a there'd be a market for that. Definitely, yeah. there's a there's a there's a market there and that for someone.
1: Yeah, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking business now, and I'm thinking, well, the gap, you know, cats at the gap quite a lot. She could do something with the gap. Yeah, could put on ladies sessions. Hundred percent. Hundred you
0: know, percent. It'd be it'd be it'd be a great opportunity there for somebody. Um, yeah. And if I don't know, I mean, insurance in this country is always a bit of a stickler, but I'm sure I'm sure there's ways around it. You might be able to do it under under the gaps umbrella or under cycling Ireland's umbrella. There's always there's always a way around these things. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it's definitely.
1: It's amazing, you know, that we have characters like that, and the industry's so healthy. Um, like, as a bike shop owner. You must be so stoked to be involved in the community now.
0: Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Like I'm pre COVID, I, I was loving getting to races and meeting all the people in their natural environment. If you know what I mean, rather than you know, the, you're in the shop, it's a bit kind of formal, and um, whereas you you go to a race, you're on the side of a mountain, you're just yeah. you know talking shit with the guy next to you. You know, everybody's on the same boat. There's, or everybody's on the same level you're all riding the same trail, you've all got to get up the same climbs um, I do miss that, I'm looking forward to getting back to races and getting back out in the hill with
1: a few people Yeah, for sure right. well, Hopefully, you know, the golf course has opened here today so yeah. hopefully things are on the mend um, I want to ask you just quickly before I let you go because I know I'm taking up your time here um, all right. I'm going to say the dreaded word But here, it's becoming more mainstream. Now, I don't think people are against it. E-bikes.
0: Oh, dude. (laughs) E-bikes are... They're coming, man. And they're coming fast. Yeah. Like, e-bikes. E-bikes are here. And they're not going anywhere. And everybody that says they're cheating or it's not real cycling can go to hell. I have no time for it. Right? E-bikes what? are a phenomenal too. It's different, without a doubt. It is. It's completely different. But e-bikes are phenomenal. Yeah, um, like, and they're only going to get better.
1: I wanted to ask you, from a shop owner perspective, um, about budgets. Are you yeah. putting more of your budget into e-bikes now? Are you giving them more floor yeah. space if you could yeah. get any? But is that the way <laughs> it's go- is? It, is that the way it's going for you? Yeah absolutely
0: um absolutely it's it's getting a lot of people into the sport and people people are people are using e-bikes as an entry into the sport and they're moving from their first bike being an e-bike onto you know regular analog mountain bikes um and they're also going in the opposite direction they have been mountain biking for years maybe and they're also getting an Mm e-bike so they're going in both directions um but the e-bike market I mean, I would expect that in five years' time, probably a third or maybe even a half of my shop space will be dedicated to e-bikes. Yeah. Like, a, a really substantial proportion of what I sell will be e-bikes. That's that's without a doubt, yeah. Um, that's crazy. I think it was 2019 I read a report in Germany, half of the units sold in Germany were e bikes.
1: Yes. And there's a fun fact for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so that's, true. That's but coming. I can, I can back that up because before I hit record here with you, we were chatting about a certain fellow that was on the podcast. And yeah. he was saying yeah, that, now, this is a big brand. He was saying that for every Six Enduro bikes that this brand sells. Now and en- Enduro, Enduro bike, you know, with a bigger travel yeah. and all. They sell yeah. ten e-bikes. Yeah, I mean
0: that says it all. Mm. Ireland is a bit behind on the curve. Uh, but we're getting there. We're yeah. getting there. Um, like the Orbea Wild was the bike that we should have ordered. 50 of them checklist. this year. It is a it's a rallon with a big chunky motor in there. Uh, it's a cl- it is a really really good bike um, and if we'd had them this year we would have sold them yeah. everybody wanted that big bike because you've got all the advantages of all that travel and that big burly bike that can just plow through anything mm-hmm. but you don't have to lug the bloody thing to the top of the hill you got a motor to do it for you yeah
1: mm-hmm. you know it's funny I see now on a lot of the guys social media stuff and the guys that are doing this as 11 they're doing this as a career yeah, if you look closely, those guys are all using e-bikes at times.
0: Yeah, yeah, and have been
1: for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Training yeah. tool or whatever, but
0: yeah, th- those yeah. guys
1: are using them like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're a phenomenal tool, and they 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 just change your perspective on things. You're still out in the woods. You're still mountain biking. You're still doing skids and slipping and sliding on the roots. It's the same thing, but different. Uh, but you get to do ten runs of a mountain in a day instead of four. What's not to love about that? Yeah,
1: yeah. You yeah. know it's, it's funny, I was we Robert at Castle Wellham one time, me and my mate, it's my buddy that got me into into mountain biking. And um Colin's old school, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, but he's really old school, still on 26ers, still on a hard tail, real old school. Yeah. But yeah. We uh he- what happened? I think I blew out Maria rim or something. But wait, about forty-five minutes left, and yeah. the guys at Castlewell said, "Take a couple of e-bikes. Go on, go for a scoot there." And Con was like, "Oh no, e-bike? Really? I had never been home on one at this time, at this stage either."
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And we knew we had forty-five minutes, and we got round the whole trail centre basically in forty-five minutes. And you see, when Con got off, he had a grin, yeah, as Come wide right as here. a car.
0: Every single time we send somebody out, and it doesn't matter whether they're fourteen or seventy-five. Every time we send someone out to do a lap of the car park on the e-bike, they all come back in giggling like little schoolgirls. Every single one of them, you know. And at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? Aye, right.
1: exactly. You know,
0: exactly. isn't that what it's all about? Um, so I have not succumbed to it yet, but all
1: right, watch this, space Yeah. Yeah, once once they become available. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, here, before I let you go, is there anything happening with Bikeology? Anything you're planning in the near future you want to tell us about? Or is it just trying to get as many bikes in and out as possible at these crazy times? Uh, It's trying to get as many bikes as possible for the foreseeable
0: future. But um, yeah, who knows? We've got a break clause in our lease now in 14 months' time. So, who knows where we might go.
1: Right, okay. We'll, your... defi- we'll definitely be
0: around in one form or another, I can guarantee you that much.
1: Right, okay. You think yeah. you're going for a bigger premises or something? Yeah, or... yeah
0: we'll see what we oh. do, you, yeah. <laughs> what, do. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, something,
1: something, something. But you're you around just... the same area, right? You're staying around Oh, now. yeah, absolutely. It's clo- as close as possible. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. That's good. Got to agree be really co- yeah. customer base there great customer base
0: and great relationships with so many people down there so um yeah. closer the better yeah cool
1: yeah. where can people best find you and go to find out more
0: oh bikeology.ie i suppose you okay. find out everything you find all our social media there what's coming in what's not coming in what we're up to uh, yeah absolutely What what we can do for you yeah
1: Brilliant, mate! Brilliant. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the the podcast. And, yeah, it really coming on. Yeah, do I a chat for hours with you. It's uh, such yeah, an we'll interesting to, time. I think,
0: we'll yeah. try and get, get out for a spin together sometime. You're only two hours up the road.
1: Yeah, like I think once the border opens here, there's issues. There's issues with well, I want to say border. There's not really a border anymore, but they were they were finding a lot of people traveling, you know, too far for no reason other than pleasure yeah um, God better like that you would have a bit of fun but have a bit of fun. Jesus can't <laughs> be. I, have, I am planning on coming down your direction. So, yeah yeah um, we'll call
0: into the shop anyway or give us a bit of notice and we'll go for a spin.
1: yeah, definitely you have you a bike do you need me to bring your a bike? I love <laughs> one of the lad's
0: bikes <laughs> jump up, yeah jump, jump up on the on, on the girlfriend's bike there maybe
1: yeah
0: um, yeah, we'll find something two wheels.
1: It reminds me of car mechanics. You know, they work in some of the best cars and they're a car themselves. They drive crap. There's always something yeah, wrong yeah, with yeah.
0: it. Cobblest <laughs> kids are never shot, eh? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But, well, listen, thanks so much, dude. And um, good luck with 2021. I hope you get all your orders and uh, you keep chugging on there. But you seem to be doing something right. So good luck and uh, enjoy the rest of the, the season. The summer's nearly here, dude.
0: Summer's nearly here. All i got to do is find myself a bike and a few spare afternoons. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good stuff bud good stuff take care
0: enjoy your evening thanks a million talk to
1: you again bye bye that's a wrap for episode 188 I hope you enjoyed that folks it was just a good old chat by a couple of mountain bikers you know just shooting the breeze chatting about bikes and the industry and everything that goes on but I hope you enjoyed the insight that Nigel has given us there and how the whole thing ticks and works and the difficulties we're having so if you're still waiting on that bike that you've been waiting a number of months you know the problems That guys like Nigel and stuff have. So uh, just be patient. You will get your ride at some stage. Now, Nigel, thanks so much for coming on the show, buddy. I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and chatting with me. It was a great, great conversation. I really did enjoy it. And I'm going to take you up on your offer. I am coming down your direction, no doubt and we will get out for a ride and you can show me around those uh, areas of Nass and, and wherever these guys ride right there I'm really really looking forward to it but until then mate stay safe I know you're not going to be on the trails because you have no bike but until I get down there at least you'll maybe be as unfit as I am so it'll be all good <laughs> but until I get down there stay safe bud and have a good year now, folks, if you want to know a little bit more about what Nigel and myself chatted about, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtv-tribe.com. Search for episode 188. You'll get a little more insight into what we chatted about. You'll get quick links to Nigel's website and socials and stuff just so it's handy for you guys. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your podcasts from. We also have a website, mtv-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the podcast now you can also get involved on social media we are at MTV Tribe on instagram and facebook you can pm me there or if you prefer email you'll find me at info at mtv-tribe.com. i do read all emails and i will get back to you so that's it for this week folks it's the end of another podcast episode but until next week as always even more so now because i think things are starting to open up things are starting to look brighter for the summer months get the bikes out hit the trails stay MTB stoked